Yeah, that's really amazing. And like, this is the thing. Church, like, like Onello was saying, church is not a place of function. That happens in the world, at your job. Okay, your boss says do this, and you do it. Church is a place where we love one another. It's a place of relationship. Okay, and I really deeply want to encourage you guys, like, if you don't find that here in the church, if you don't find this deep love and relationship where, like Lindsay was saying, where you can be vulnerable and real with people, because that's God's design. If you don't find that here, you will definitely not find that in the world. You won't. The, the close second that you find in the world is if you tell someone, I've got unforgiveness, I've got unforgiveness towards someone, they'll be like, what are you talking about? So what? So does like half the world. Like, why don't you go to a psychologist or go to a psychiatrist? Here in the church on a Sunday, you are able to phone someone. You can be like, I'm, I, my heart is rotten. I've got such bad thoughts towards people. Like, help me. Please pray for me. Okay, we can be real. Like, we're not statues. We're human beings. We have emotions. God is still busy saving each one of you. You saved. Yes, you saved. But God is busy saving you as well. He's busy setting you free. He's sanctifying you. And don't take that for granted. He's not finished yet. He's busy working. If you work together with him, with the Holy Spirit. And he can't work together with you if you're just like, I'm fine. There's no problems happening with me. Like, how's that going to work? God wants to help you. He wants to reach into your heart and change things. Make them new. Make them different. So, we're going to get to Jesus' mission. When he came here on the earth, fast forward a few thousand years. Isaiah 61 verse 1 to 3. This is a prophecy. When Jesus started his ministry, he walked into a synagogue. And he, he took the Torah and he read out this. It's in Luke 4. He read out this portion of scripture. Okay, And this was the beginning of his ministry. It says this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Do you need good news? Do you think you're going to find good news in the world? No ways. You'll find loads of bad news. Jesus literally came onto this earth, his mission, to bring good news. Okay? Bring good news to the poor. He has uh, sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Okay? If you have a broken heart, Jesus came for you. That's why he came on the earth. That is literally, it's been prophesied that this is his mission, is to comfort, to bind up the brokenhearted. If you have hurts in your life, a deep wound from your father, your mother, okay, a deep wound from someone that, that you were dating years ago, and you've got this cut in your heart, and you're like, man, I've tried to like, fix this myself and it hasn't worked. I'm just carrying this around. I've got this like victim thing going on where it's like, man, I deserve this. I deserve this. Like, I'm not going to open my heart. I don't need to open my heart. You know, and you've tried to fix this by yourself. Jesus came for you. He came here to fix that for you because you cannot fix that. It's impossible. Okay. You can, time will only make things worse. It doesn't make things better. It only festers and, and makes things much, much worse if we don't bring it to Jesus. Okay, so he came to bind up the brokenhearted, uh, comfort the brokenhearted, and to proclaim 
that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. If you have an addiction, okay, it could be Netflix, it could be pornography, it could be smoking, it could be like you eat too much for comfort, not for food or sustenance anymore, just for comfort. And it's become such a thing that it actually is dominating your life. It becomes like almost this voice in your head that you have to satisfy. The Bible says that whoever is a sin, whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. A slave. Okay? Who the son sets free is free indeed. God does not want you to be enslaved to anything. Nothing. If there's anything in your life that while I'm talking, you're like, man, this actually, this could be a serious problem. Actually, it might not be something that I'm just going to work out. It might be that I'm actually enslaved to this thing. I'm a prisoner and I don't realize it. Because that's the problem is sometimes we can be a slave working for the world, working for the enemy. And we're like, I don't know. Everything's cool. I I like being, I like working in Egypt. It's okay. No, no, Moses, what are you doing? You don't need to go and tell the Pharaoh to let us go. We're fine here. We're comfortable. Okay. The reality is God has got so much more, so, so much more, okay? And unless you like, Jesus, please, God, I want everything that you have for me, everything. Don't hold back, Jesus, please. Then you will just get as much of God as you want. And that's my question to you is how much of God do you want? How much of God are you busy walking in right now? So he says that Jesus came to set people free prisoners free that's why he came this is mission on earth he has sent me to tell those that are mourning that the time of the lord's favor has come and with it listen to this carefully the day of god's anger against their enemies to all who mourn in israel he will give a crown of beauty for ashes a joyful blessing instead of mourning It says here, festive praise instead of despair, okay? Or a garment of praise instead of a spirit of mourning. You know that you can actually have a spirit of mourning where it's not normal anymore, where someone someone died, something happened, you were disappointed, there was something really bad that happened in your life, and you have this heaviness over you, this darkness, and it's like there's a time for mourning, don't get me wrong. There's a time, but in Jesus, in the Lord, if you're not mourning in the Lord, it becomes a very dangerous thing because you start mourning in your own way and something else can come in and start taking over, okay? And God wants to give you something instead of that. Instead of a spirit of mourning and heaviness, he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you a spirit of praise. We can say, thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you're mourning today, this is for you. Okay, Jesus has come here for you. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyful blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, now this is amazing, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks, great trees that the Lord has planted for his own glory. What happens is if you allow Jesus Christ to really deeply minister by his Holy Spirit into your life, then you become this incredible thing, an oak of righteousness, a tree that is planted by God for his glory. That when people look at you, they look at your life, they go, wow, God is amazing. Wow, look how great God is. Okay, that's the reason why you're alive. 
is to glorify God. So that when people look at you, and it's not about anything that you do, it's just they're like, man, God is a miracle worker. He's an amazing God. With the testimonies that were shared today, that's what happens. We go like, man, that's not them. It's God. Look what God did. Look how amazing God is. That's what happens when you allow Jesus Christ to minister, to start taking the mess in your heart and to start changing it, to start molding it. Or you can keep your mess and you can live the life that you want to live. That's fine as well. But God wants more for you. Okay, I want to take you to um, the book of Mark. I found something so crazy. So what is the second book of the Bible? Exodus, right? What is the second book of the New Testament? Okay. What is the first miracle in the Gospels? Water into wine. What is the first miracle in the book of Mark? Okay. What is the first miracle that Jesus performs in the book of Mark? It's literally in the first chapter of Mark. Because Mark is an action-packed book. It doesn't waste time, okay? If you read Mark, you're like, it just says like immediately. Immediately this happened. And then immediately something else happened. And when I read Mark, I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, it's like watching reruns of your most, the most favorite episodes, like favorite series that you could ever watch. All the highlights, just like this, the whole time. Action-packed. When, if someone is not saved, and you want to recommend a book to them, and in today's world where people have really short attention spans, recommend the book of Mark. It doesn't waste time, okay? The first miracle found in the book of Mark is Jesus setting a man free of demons, okay? Now, check this out. The book of Mark is Jesus Christ, the servant, the servant of man, coming to serve man, okay? The book of Exodus, the name Exodus, God is busy taking us, taking his people somewhere. He's taking them out of Egypt. The book of Mark, God is taking demons out of people, okay? He's setting them free. The kingdom of God is coming. It's weird. It's such a strange little parallel, okay? I want to read you this, Mark 1, 23 to 27. So this is the first miracle. Check this out. The first chapter, right at the end of the chapter, the first miracle. Suddenly, like immediately, okay? Whoa, do you have the... Sorry, I'm a bit too... Mark 1, 23 to uh, 27. Oh, there it is, okay. So it says there, just then, or suddenly, or immediately, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Was the man in jail? Was the man in a cave somewhere? Was he in a mental institution? No. Where was he? He was in the church. Oh my word, what sacrilege. There's a guy in the church with a demon. Just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Okay? And he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of it. You can go to the... 
book of Mark is faster than the laptop. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep you in suspense. Let's see what happens next. Will the demon come out or not? <laughs> oh, it's frozen. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read it for you guys. Oh, you got it. No, I'll read it for you. That's okay. And then he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Do you see that demons know who Jesus is? The darkness, Satan's kingdom knows who Jesus is. When Jesus is in the room and no one knows who he is, demons know who he is. Okay? Okay. So it says there, uh, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Okay, rebuked him. He says, uh, be quiet. Come out of the man. He ordered. At that, the evil spirits scream. Don't worry. That doesn't always happen. Okay? So I, I thought, okay, maybe I should not put this in here. We should just blank it out. But it happens. doesn't always happen. The evil spirits screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience. Okay? And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. Do you know that one of the only miracles that wasn't performed in the Old Testament? Okay? People raised from the dead in the Old Testament. Many people. Okay? There's a lot of amazing things that the prophets did by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. One of the only miracles that, did, what, that didn't happen is there were no demons cast out of people in the Old Testament. Go and try and find one place in the Old Testament where demons are cast out of someone. It doesn't happen. Okay, so these guys see this and they're like, what is going on here? Like, what kind of teaching is this? This guy is like casting out demons with like just one little sentence. Be quiet, get out of here. Just like that. And something happens. I'm going to ask you, why is that? Why is it that all of a sudden, something like this is happening? Now in this period of time, this period in history, okay, this man comes here and he starts doing something that no one has ever done before. If you go to Mark 1.15, it says, the time promised by God has come at last. Okay, so Jesus is busy walking around. Once again, right in the beginning of Mark, 15th verse, it says there, I'm surprised it doesn't say immediately, right before it as well. It says, at last the time has come, he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. Jesus starts sharing this thing called the gospel of the kingdom. The good news about the kingdom of God. And he says something there. He's like, repent, the kingdom of God is here. He's at hand. It's right here. The kingdom of God is here. And he's like, all you got to do is you turn from your sins. You turn from your sins. And through Jesus, you can enter into the kingdom of God. It's right here. Jesus starts preaching this gospel about there's a new king that's coming. There's a new kingdom that's coming. Okay. And it's invading the kingdom that has currently been established. I want to tell you a little secret. There's only two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. If you're not living in the kingdom of God, then you're living in the kingdom of darkness. If you're not working for the kingdom of God, you're working for the enemy's kingdom. There's no other way. 
There's no middle road. There's just two ways. Light and darkness. That's it. Okay? So Jesus starts talking about this kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Matthew 12, 28. I would ask you, how did Jesus cast out demons? What, what happened? How did this, this, what was his power? Jesus tells us, he says here, but if I'm casting out demons by what? The Spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God has arrived amongst you. One of the signs of the kingdom of God here is that demons start fleeing people. They start leaving because they can't be in the same kingdom. They can't. Where the Holy Spirit is, the Bible says there's freedom. There's liberty. It says that Jesus came to set captives free. Freedom is important to God. Can you say freedom is important to God? Okay, now is freedom important to you? Because it's very important to God. Do you think that the disciples were just watching this? They're like, oh, wow, cool. Jesus can cast out demons. That's amazing. Good for him. That's so cool. Like, master, there's someone that's got a demon. Please cast him out. Like, no. No, because Jesus came to show us a way. He is the way. And he came to model something for us. And he came to make disciples, followers. So that when he leaves, that his work doesn't leave. It carries on. Okay, it continues. Let's go to uh, Luke. Luke 10, 18 to 20. So it says here, Jesus has now given this ability to his followers. He says to them, these things are going to happen with you. Signs are going to follow you. Okay. He tells these 72 disciples, I want you guys to go two by two into the villages and preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, okay? And I want you to cast out demons in my name, heal the sick in my name. And these guys come back and they, they're like, they are like so amazed. Their like minds are blown because they're like, the same things that Jesus was doing, we're doing as well. Like what's going on here? He says there, yes, he told them, I saw Satan. Falling from heaven is a flash of lightning, lightning, and he gave you authority, and I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Is there any power of the enemy that Jesus hasn't given us authority over? No. It says there, all the power, okay, of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. And then I want you to listen very, very carefully. It says there, nothing will injure you. Okay? Nothing will injure you. When Jesus says something, do you believe it? When, if Jesus says to you, I want to take you to a place and nothing's going to harm you. If Jesus said that to you, would you believe it? Because that's what Jesus said. He says here, nothing will injure you. And he says, but don't rejoice that just because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered as citizens of heaven. Do you know that as you are sitting here, there are people around the world right now that are worshiping God in dead secrets that no one knows. That if their neighbors found out, okay, they would get killed for being a Christian. Do you know how they do that? 
because they know that they are citizens of heaven. They're not citizens of this world. And I want to ask you right now, are you a citizen of this world and this world system? Or are you a citizen and a son and daughter of heaven? Because if you are, then you start living like heaven. You start living like the kingdom of God is righteous. Righteous, okay? So here, Jesus Christ gives the disciples this kind of like delegated authority over the forces of darkness. Okay, now I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to tell you about what happened at the camp. Onella told you about what happened with her. I'm going to tell you what happened with me. Okay? So we're busy doing this thing, and uh, one of the sessions, this guy, his name is Brad Verena. Uh, he's, the, he's like the Andrew Selly of PE, of Oxygen Life. Okay? So he's sharing this incredible message about the do- donuts and the donut hole. Like, don't look at life as if life is just one big hole in the middle of the donuts. It's not. There's a whole donut. There's a whole package. Like God is doing stuff. He's doing things that you don't always see. You might just be focusing on the little donut hole. You're missing the bigger picture, okay? And he's sharing this message, and the worship is lit. It's so amazing. We're praising God. If you ever praise God with people where they are, their lives are committed to Jesus, okay, there's such a sense of freedom, so much freedom. You can, it's like praising God in heaven. Because these people's lives belong to Jesus. They sold out for Jesus. And that was what we were experiencing. It was incredible. And then, I don't know if you know um, Ryan Kingsley. If you've ever heard of him or whatever. So he gets up. He gets the mic and he starts sharing this word. And he's like, if you are living and you've got this, this thought that's following you around. This voice that's saying, there's more. You can be doing better. You could be doing better. There must be more. There must be something more, you know? You're not doing enough. He's like, that's from the devil. That's not from God. Because God comes and he lifts burdens. He lifts our weights. He doesn't put weights on us, okay? Jesus is on your side. He's on your side. He's cheering you on. He's like, I want you to walk in more. I want you to walk in freedom. Let's do this. We got this together. It's not just you alone, you against the world. It's not like that. Not at all. We got this together. So he starts speaking this stuff, and I'm like, oh, man. It's like, it's like I'm seeing colors for the first time. Like, this is me. Like, this has been me. Like, I've been like, man, there's, there must be more. I could do better. And what happens is with that attitude of performance is you start speaking to people like that. You start just seeing their faults. You start saying, man, there's more. You could be doing better in your life, you know? And you actually forget, like, wait a minute. Jesus loves people, man. He came here to set them free. He came here because he loves them. And he's got a mission and a plan for them, okay? So I put up my hand, and Ornella puts up her hand. I don't know if you know Luke Watson, if you follow rugby. He's one of the elders in Sunningdale. So he comes up to me and this other guy, and they start praying for me. And Luke He's an awesome guy. He's very free in the Holy Spirit. Starts singing this song, like holding my hand, just singing this sweet song, okay? And he starts like really prophesying deep into my heart. And he starts saying things like, man, I came here with this attitude of this like beggar. And I'm just like, I want scraps. Like, God, is there, are there any scraps here at the end of the table? And he's like, you are not a beggar. You are a son. You are a son of God, okay? 
You're not on the outskirts. You're not far away. You're one of us. You're a brother here in the family. And he's like, Jesus doesn't want you at the end of the table begging for scraps, for leftovers. He wants you to come and sit here right next to him. Okay? And be a son that he can love and share with, share his life with. And that Sunday, oh, that Thursday, I wrote down, something has changed today. God changed my life today. Okay? Because I was like this guy. We come into a new church and I feel like we need to do stuff. We need to do stuff to prove ourselves to people that we can be equal, that we can also have something. We can be also minister. And you know what? That's not God's heart. God's heart is like, listen, if you never minister again, it's okay. It doesn't matter to me. I love you for who you are. I love you because you're a son, my son. I love you because I've chosen to love you. Not because you bring anything to the table. No, not at all. God is, loves you without any strings attached. He loves you. But it's something where it's like you can, there's something there. You can go like, God, I want more. I want more of you. I want to walk in more freedom. I want to walk in your will and your plan for my life. Okay? And now I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little bit scary to you. Is when Jesus Christ died on the cross, everything changed forever. We have literally marked history with Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection three days later. Those day, that day, everything changed. Okay? Jesus, just his final words in Mark, once again, this action-packed book, the final things that he said to, to the disciples before he left. And I'm going to ask you to do this. If you are saved, if you're a believer, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose three days later to give you life, okay? If you believe that, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up right now. I don't know if you've got that verse. If you don't, that's okay. Okay. Guys, listen very, very carefully, okay? Because the Bible, as much as it's a history book, it's not just a history book. It's not. The Bible is something so much more than that. The Bible's for you for right now. It says there, and then he told him, the disciples, them, when you hear that word them, it means you that are standing here right now. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everywhere. Did he tell preachers to preach the good news? No. He told you, as you are standing here, each and every one of you, to go into all the world and preach the good news. And then he says this, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Are you anyone? Are you any, anyone right now? Okay, you are. So, it says here, if you believe and you're baptized, you will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be what? Condemned. Very strict, very severe and serious. And then he says, these signs might accompany those who believe. Am I right? No. Is it will? Oh, these signs will. Okay. 
Jesus just made a promise. He said this is going to happen. These signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. I'm going to just kind of quickly skip over this part. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Don't try this at home. They will, okay, now listen carefully. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and heal them. Who here has ever laid hands on someone that is sick and seen that person recover? Who's ever prayed for healing or been in a circle where someone is praying for healing? Just raise your hand if you have. Who here has ever spoken in tongues? Okay. Just as much as speaking in tongues and praying for healing is a normal part of church, an everyday part of church. It's something that you kind of expect. It's comfortable. If someone comes in and starts speaking in tongues, we don't go like, whoa, 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 what's, what's going on there? What just, no, this is Christianity. Just as much as that, it says that you, as you're standing here, will cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, you can have a seat again. And now I want to just speak on just a few things, and then we're going to get pretty practical, okay? The first thing is fear. If you can put up Psalm 23, verse 4 and 5, you know fear is, is such a real thing in this world. It's so easy to go to work and you fear your boss. You fear the devil. You fear walking around in the streets that someone's going to mug you, okay? You fear what people think. You fear what people are going to say. Let's see what the Bible says about fear. <clears throat> Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare, listen carefully, a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. It says there, God would prepare a feast in the presence of your enemies. It says there, that you would not be afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. Do you fear evil? If that's something inside your heart, I want you to just remember this right now. Do you fear evil? You don't fear evil. It's not a Christian thing. We should not fear evil. We should fear God and Him alone. That's it. The Bible tells us this elsewhere. It says that do not fear the, the one who can take your body and cast it into, uh, take your body and destroy it. But fear the one who can take your body, destroy it, and cast your soul into hell. Fear him. That's God. That's not the devil. God can do that. He's got the power of life and death over you, not the enemy. Don't dare for one second fear the devil. Don't. That's not a godly thing. Okay? Let's go to the next verse. 2 Timothy 1.7. It says there, God has not given us 
a spirit of fear and timidity. Instead, God has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. Do you know that there's a spirit of fear? When COVID started and you start reading the news and you start this like weird virus, we can't walk out the front door because the police are roaming the streets. I remember this like thing like, whoa, why? I've got this strange like feeling like of fear. There's a spirit of fear and a spirit of shyness, okay, of timidity. That's not from God. God doesn't give you that. And if that, you're walking that and you're experiencing that, I want to tell you today that God has got a remedy for that. The spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And then lastly, we're going to go to Galatians 5. It says here, Christ has truly set us free. So make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. God has set you free and he set you free for freedom so that you would be free, okay? And then if you want to see some things here in Galatians 5, 19 to 23, and then we're going to land this. So it says here, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, remember what we said, whoever sins becomes a slave of sin, okay? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. So we can see when we're not walking in the kingdom of God, when we're walking with the devil. It says here, sexual immorality, impure thoughts. If you've got these thoughts that are bombarding your head, that are not from you and they're not from God, okay? That's not right. Eagerness for lustful pleasure. If you like watching porn, you'll find this. You'll get this like, man, I just, I want to carry on doing this stuff. This like eagerness to follow the, the darkness. Um, idolatry participation in demonic activities, okay? I want to tell you right now, if you're watching a horror movie and there's some really weird witchcraft and stuff going on, you're busy participating in demonic activity, whether you like that or not. You're not participating in godly activity. You're participating in demonic activity, okay? And God has got like really good remedies for this. Okay, so participating in demonic activity, where are we? Hostility, so like wanting to like fight, wanting like this anger against people, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, <clears throat> selfish ambition. You just want to like be the next CEO, the next businessman. You want to build your own kingdom. That's selfish ambition. It comes from the flesh. <clears throat> okay. Divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. That the world doesn't understand me. No one knows. Can't, they can't figure me out. Factions, okay? That everyone is against me. That's not from God. That's from the devil. <clears throat> and envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce the following kind of fruit in us. Love. Now I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I walking in love, real love, to my brothers and sisters? The way that God loves me, am I loving other people that same way? 
okay? Joy. Not watching a comedy, your favorite sitcom or whatever. Joy that comes from heaven. Joy where you're like, man, I'm laughing. I don't even know why because I'm just so happy to be saved. Um, joy, peace, real peace, serious peace. We're in the middle of the storm, okay? You've got calm in your hearts. You are at peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and there, self-control, that spirit of self-control. Here, there's no conflict with the law. So I want to ask you now, okay? We're going to close right now. I'm going to ask you this. If you are sitting here and there's unforgiveness inside your heart, there's this deep, deep unforgiveness towards your parents, okay, or someone in your life, and you don't know what to do with it, and you're like, I've been trying to solve this, but I can't. Today, God wants to set you free. Today. Okay? If you're walking and you're bound in addiction, okay, and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this. I've tried everything. I've really tried. God wants to set you free today. Jesus' mission on this earth was to set you free. If you're brokenhearted, if, if it's like you just feel like your spirit is crushed and you, don't, you just feel so hopeless, and desperate, and you don't know where to turn to, Jesus wants to set you free right now, today, today, not tomorrow, the next day, now, today. Don't miss this opportunity today. Don't, okay, don't miss this. I'm going to ask, I'm going to give this over to Tony, but I'm going to ask you, just think about this. You are with believers, you're with people right now that have the authority by the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on you, and ask God to bring healing. Ask God to take those things. Those things that have bound you up, take them and make them disappear. Don't waste that opportunity. Okay. Yeah, no, we've gone late. But let's not lose the moment. Just close our eyes, everyone. This is very serious. Jethro's message has brought us to a place where we need to look in the mirror and be honest. If you want to be set free, now's the time. Just stand up. If there's something in your life that you want to be set free. Lord Jesus, you've brought us to a promise. Been so clearly defined, a promise that you Come to set us free from slavery. You brought, you brought your people out of Egypt because they were in slavery. And, and we get enslaved in different things. We might not have a Pharaoh over us, but we have Satan. And his entourage that binds us. Jethro's laid a platform, a biblical, scriptural platform, Lord. Where if we present ourselves to you, we can be free. Those of you that have stood up. Lift your hands. You know in your heart what you want to be set free from. You know in your heart, you know in your life where you feel bound. Father God, you promised to set us free. You promised to release us from the shackles. Shackles of darkness, the things that grip us, the things that hold on to us. 
So in Jesus' name, I ask you right now, even those that have stood up, just ask him in your own, in your own words, say, Lord, would you free me from this? Set me free right now. Jesus, you said that we would be set free if we just present ourselves to you, Lord. Pray, Lord, come right now. We don't need a special authority, Lord. We don't have to have gone through theological school or be able to recite the Bible from front to back. We just have to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work. And I'm asking by your blood, Lord Jesus, right now, would you come by your Spirit and set these people free, Lord, from the shackles and the chains that bind them, Lord, the darkness that engulfs them, Lord, right now, Lord, would you come? by power and might, and set them free. Break the chains right now, Lord. And I pray, I pray right now, Lord, that they would go from slaves of darkness to sons and daughters of righteousness, Lord. To sons and daughters of the light, the light of the living God that comes by the, by the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. And you free them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come, Lord. We want to be a people that lives in the light. Light where love, patience, kindness, joy, self-control prevails, Lord. And we know that the darkness doesn't go away, but that the light will hold it back, push it back. And we can live truly in the freedom of the light of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord. Come, Lord.